Hi, my name is Clayton Dozier, and this is Not The Expert. I've been a side hustler for years now, but do you know what? I've never actually made it full time. But when I look around out there, I see so many people killing it with courses and coaching, and I see the next big industry. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring you the people who are the expert to help you go from course creator to having a successful business. Hi, and welcome back to Not The Expert. I'm your host, Clayton Dozier. In this episode, I got to interview Gary McKenzie. He is a speaking and marketing coach that helps people grow their business through public speaking. Gary, well, thanks for coming back on. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, you've always been super supportive and super amazing. And uh, we were talking a minute ago about something that I think is uh, probably going to be a really good opportunity for a lot of people in the training, course creation, and speaking area. And that is is working with the government and getting government contracts. Yes, Clayton. And first of all, thank you for inviting me to be back on the show a second time. Love the love participating and being with you. And this idea of government contracts, I think too many individuals that are speakers, course creators, trainers, do not think or feel they have a position doing business with the state or federal government. And yet the government hires lots of people to pre present training programs for them, both at the federal level and the state level. So the, the door is wide open there. And, and to give a monetary figure to this, the, at least at the federal level, you've got earmarked just about $600 billion to be spent with small business. Just imagine if you got a sliver of that, what that could mean. <laughs> A sliver of $600 billion is still more money than most people dream of. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> I mean, 1% of that just <laughs> $6 billion. It's a lot of money. It's, it's a lot of money. So how does someone go about getting their piece of that? You know, Clayton, the first step is really looking at your business, the business you currently have. And the first step is just getting crystal clear on the product you, you present and how it changes lives. In this case, how does it change productivity? Because that's what they're after. How does it change productivity? So just get crystal clear on that, answer that question first. And that, for many individuals, <clears throat> that's a challenge because they're kind of all over the board. They say, well, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. Government doesn't want that. They want one, they want to hear about one thing that you do very, very well. So that's that's the first key right there. That's step one. Okay, so so step one kind of presents a, a struggle or a, a hang up for some people. So follow-up question is to step one is if you're in that spot and you're not clear on that one thing, do you, is there a process you recommend kind of going through to figure out like, what is that one thing and how to get crystal clear? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Clayton. And I recommend, for me, you know, my background was in accounting before I became a professional speaker and trainer. I like I say, pull out a spreadsheet and just start making a list of all the things you do, the things you like to do, the things that your business, in this case, what your business does well, and, and, and just put it down, just capture it. But now you're gonna have a whole list. So the question now is narrow it down. So my next step is, Go through and pick out 
three items, the top three items that you really enjoy doing and where you've seen great success. And then choose one. Just choose one, one out of the three. Don't second guess it. Just choose one and say, this is the one I'm going to pursue. This is the one I'm going after. And this isn't, this sounds easy. It's not. <laughs> but, but that's, that's, that's the first more, step. That's no, why more that's, people don't, uh, don't do it, right? It's because it's not an easy process to, to narrow it down to one. Correct. And then, and then not second guess yourself. You have to make that decision and stick with it. Uh, to me, it almost seems like I would have to pull out a hat and cut those top three out into little slips and toss them in there and shake them around for a little bit and then burn the other two when I was done so I couldn't even go back to them. <laughs> and that could work. That could work. That's a great way to do it. You've burnt the bridge. This is it. This is all I have. This one slip. Absolutely. This is it. It's my only choice. Uh, so uh, if step one is, is uh, getting very specific, what is, is step two? Step two is looking at determining, do you need to bring people in to help consult and guide you or do you have them on staff? So really it's looking at your capability and most businesses, it's a broad statement, but most businesses, if you don't have the people on staff, you may have to go out and hire some consultants, some individuals to guide you. So it's getting clear as to what support you need and where will, you, where will that support come from? So again, that's real clear because we can't do it all, all alone, ourselves. We just get, we'll get bogged down. We're gonna need some help. You're gonna need a consultant and you're gonna need a guide. So that's, that's the second step right there. So in that case, if you aren't, if you don't have that person yet on staff or, or, or in retainer, is there some of that government money earmarked for that? Or is that something you need to have beforehand kind of like in a, are there ducks in a row or is it just sort of like, hey, these are what I need if I'm going to fulfill this contract? Well, this is the getting your ducks in the row. you got to have it in place so that you, you either have those people on retainer or their employees or you know where they are. Have you've identified those individuals with that skill set and you've had a conversation with them. So, so they're lined up and ready to go. Okay. I guess to clarify my question is, do they have to be hired before you get the contract or can you hire them once you get the contract? You can hire them once you get the contract. You just need to be able to document who they are, what skills they're bringing. I see. Okay. So what I'm kind of thinking too is this might be good for somebody who's been, you know, maybe training in some area for a couple of years, but haven't gone to that point where they really have like much of a team established yet and they're trying to get to that mass where it's like okay well i, I want to be able to have the team but you know the, maybe the money is not there but maybe this is kind of a a way to sort of get into that is then you, you just get the people there and once you get the contract and the money is there to pay for the people it's kind of what i'm hearing correct correct you get the people lined up just like later this week i'm having a conversation with an individual that's looking to do business with the government and he's going to line me up to work with him. I won't really begin to work with him diligently, say diligently on a regular basis until he gets the contract. But, but he's getting me lined up with the credentials and know, knows I'm there in the, in the wings, ready to come on, should he and when he gets the contract. Okay. 
So it's really just you you have your sort of your your employee list list already to go, like they're already there. It's just their employment is contingent on the contract, basically. Correct. Correct. Okay. Okay. And so is so what's next? So you, you're clear, still clear on your on the product you're offering, and you you have your support plan out, like the people and, and what you need there to help make it happen. What what does the government need from you next? Next, the government needs not only what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, your timeline. But I always recommend to individuals: we want a financial projection as to starting with, with what you're going to be charging the government and what all your costs are. So you look at your profit margin to make sure that the that's actually going to be profitable to you, that you've got the margin there, your profit margin. Now, this is important to the government also, because the government, the last thing you want to do is engage in a contract and discover that you don't have the funds or the ability to fulfill, fulfill it, in which case they either end up forcing you to fulfill it or they cancel the agreement and they have to go out and hire someone else. So they wanna make sure that you've got the ability to fulfill the contract. And so much of that is the financial resources. What do you have? Or you know, what money do you have on hand that you can use to carry you through until you get your first payments from the government? And then also that there's enough profit margin there so that you can keep, keep your business going. I'm not talking about break even, I mean, making a profit. Now they're not gonna let you have an outrageous profit, but, but you gotta have a profit, you gotta keep going also. All right, of course. And then of course they wanna make their taxes on that. So of course they want you to make a profit. <laughs> they wanna get that, they wanna get that rebate back. That's, that's, their, that's their ROI. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like we're gonna give you a million dollars we're gonna take 30% of that million dollars back. At some point, yes. <laughs> So kind of following through is, is there, I, I promise I'll stop interrupting you as much as I no, can. That's okay. so, no, no, we're good, fine. I, as we, as you flow through, so what, what is, what does the process look like? I, I imagine this is, I know this is a super complicated process and it, it probably, I know it varies very much between states and, and the federal government and what state you're in and, and probably even what you do to a, a bit, but if there's someone listening to this is really like thinking about it and they, they're in the spot like, okay, I, I have, you know, kind of those ducks in a row. Like, like what is, what does they need to do to really then go out and get that ball rolling? Okay, to get the ball rolling is they need to register with the federal government. Like that, start that with the first step. Register with the federal government. The uh, government will give you a, a number. Of course they give you a number. That's how they do business. Anyway, they give you a number. So you're now, now the next step is to see if you have qualify for any of their certifications. Such, for instance, if you're a woman-owned business or a minority-owned business or a veteran-owned business or a business that's in a doing business in a depressed area. And there are special certifications for businesses that meet that qualification. And there's money earmarked for that type of business. So first, you just want to get registered. And then two, we look at, do you qualify for any of the certifications? So that's, that's the, the step right there. Now, once you've gone through that and you're now registered 
maybe you qualify for a certification, the next step is to start looking at the government bidding process and understand how you find, how you find the uh, opportunities and then how you submit, submit your bid. And there's a myriad of ways, maybe not a myriad, but there's a number of ways uh, to do that. But it's understanding the bidding process and understanding how to, how to fill out the forms, how to apply. And filling out the forms is, can be a daunting process. In fact, that's where many times individuals just throw their hands up. For instance, I was talking with a, uh, a very, very successful speaker about this topic. And she said, Gary, the government actually came to me and they wanted to hire me. They wanted to pay me $35,000. So the price was right. I looked at the paperwork, my eyes glazed over and thought, I don't really need that money that bad. And walked away from it. Wow. So understand, and, I, and I've, heard, I've heard that from other, other individuals, but this speaker just really hit me. The government came to you would you please fill out this paperwork so we can write you this check? <laughs> it's What's understanding some, how to fill out the paperwork, Clayton. That's some daunting paperwork. If they're yes. walking up to you with a check, you're like, yeah, no, nah, nah, <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> correct, correct. So are, th are there services or anything that will help you with the paperwork or is it something you got to figure out on your own or how does that go? There are, there are services. In fact, I've been thinking about putting together a program dealing with how to, how to read and how to fill out the paperwork. The services are available. And, and the reason it's so beneficial to hire someone is business owners are busy. And quite often, paperwork is not their strong suit. And yet, when I speak with individuals, both the federal government, at uh, Small Business Administration, and the state of California, that review the applications, here's what they say. The first thing we do is we go through and determine was the paperwork filled out correctly? Did they check the boxes? Did they do all this. And if they missed anything, it's rejected. I said, oh, well, do you tell them why it was rejected? No, it's just rejected. And they keep winnowing it down until they find one or maybe a few dozen. All the paperwork's filled out correctly. They met all the requirements. Now, now we get into the bidding process. But just to open the door to step in and, and get in the bidding process, you got to fill out the paperwork, the application. So um, what are some of the pros and cons of working with the government? Well, let's start off with the cons. Yeah. And, and the cons of working with the government Number one, it can take a lot of your time or your company's time or a lot of your money, possibly, of going through the application process and applying to bid. Because you, you may not, you're probably not going to get the bid on your first try. You have to keep coming back and trying again and again. And in the interim, you need to be running your business. You've got to stay solvent. So you're taking care of your commercial customers, your non-business non customers while you're going through the process. So that's, that's one con. The other con is after you've got your bid, 
Let's say you won the bid. You're ready. You've done your job. You submit the government their invoice. If you haven't submitted it exactly properly, the government will reject the invoice. Doesn't mean they refuse to pay you, just you got to resubmit the invoice and figure out what they do wrong. In the meantime, you're still paying your bills, you're still writing checks. So you've got to have enough, your business has to be solvent enough to stay in business until you get this cash flow going from the government. Now, people I've spoken with is, have said, once we've gone through the invoice rejection process a few times, and we figured out how to apply, how to submit our invoice and get it correctly, then we start getting paid. And going down the road, that's not such a problem. However, you gotta survive that first time period of understanding how do I do it correctly? So those are probably the two biggest cons right there. So what I'm hearing is you need somebody like a Gary McKenzie that can tell you how to fill out that invoice. Correct, correct, Clayton. Now the pros, the pros. Once you once you've gotten into the bidding process and you've won a couple of government bids, you've demonstrated your ability to fulfill those timely. Then now, now you're one of these individuals the government looks to. They may not go to you and they might come to you and say, Clayton, would you would you apply for this? However, you apply and they're looking down their list, oh. Clayton, yeah, we've done business with him before. He's, he's easy to work with. He gets things done on time. You, you, get, you get moved up. So once and you're so kind of in, you're in. You're, once you're in, you're in. As long as you continue to do a good job. And here again, I'm speaking with people from Small Business Administration in the state of California. They're important. They stress the importance of maintaining communication and building relationships. And they say, don't build your relationship with just one individual. You know, Clayton, this is true whether you're doing business with the government or you're doing business with a company. You want a relationship with a number of individuals because people get promoted, people quit, things change, and you don't want your contact to suddenly be gone. You want to build some relationships within that organization be it government or be it private sector. Very important to maintain the relationships. Fair. It sounds very, very crucial. Yeah, I, I can I can see how that could go very bad if, you know, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, I know, you know, Jane over there at whatever that part of the government is I work for, then all of a sudden, you know, Jane is no longer there. And Correct. Like, oh, no. Correct. So you don't have anybody in your corner any longer. Right. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. So, uh, so are there any other pros? I think we, we mentioned that one pro that kind of when you're in, you're in. Well, that's the big pro. Once you're in, you're in. And the big pro is huge amounts of money available to you. The money will come. Your business will grow to whatever, whatever size you want to grow it to. And the other pro is once you, once you become certified and you're doing business be it with the federal government or the state government or the county or the city you're in you've got that opportunity to do the business and and perhaps as a speaker as a trainer maybe 
maybe a very large training organization gets the main, wins the contract. Yet they perhaps quite often do not have the actual people to fulfill this contract. So they will contract with you as a subcontractor. Okay. And now many individuals will think, well, gee, if I'm going to come in as a sub, do I really need to go through the process of being come registered and recognized by the government? The answer is yes, because most of these contracts, even with major, major uh, contractors, there's a carve out provision that says you get, you get rewarded for spending so many, so many dollars with your with small business. So there's a desire on the part of that large contractor to go out here and contract with smaller subs so they can say, yes, we've of this $100, billion, $100 million you're, you're paying us, we spent $30 million with small business, in which case they get a check mark, they get a gold star. So there's benefit there. So, so, so these are these are the pros. Those are the pros that I I see. I just I feel like it's a potentially a large amount of money that you could you know, have access to in, in reoccurring money. From what it sounds like, that's the beauty. It's a large amount and it's reoccurring. And then too, it's I mean it kind of cuts out a lot of that need for a lot of the marketing and stuff. You're doing a lot of regular business with the government. It's like it's every time a new contract comes, you just put your bid in, and if you get Seems like if you get good enough to the process and you know the right people, like you just keep picking up those contracts and you know, it sort of becomes a good chunk of your marketing process is just you maintain those relationships with those people within the different agencies you're working with. No, you're exactly right, Clayton. Because it cuts down on the marketing because now you're spending your time looking at the government contracts and filling out the bid proposals. That that's what you're doing. You so eventually. You may not be doing much commercial business. It may be all within the within a governmental agency. Or, as I suggest to individuals, it's never good to put all your eggs in one basket. Don't totally sever your relationship with your commercial clients. Do government work, yes. Maintain, maintain a relationship though with your commercial clients because the government may have a funding issue. Maybe, maybe that program, this, this funding you suddenly is cut. So you want, you want some, you don't want just everything <laughs> with one major client. And this is the same, and Clayton, this is the same counsel I give to individuals that are working in the commercial sector is they may get a contract with a large corporation and they're all in. I tell them, look, that's nice, but don't, don't just limit your activity to that one company. We want other business because things change and you can be out in the cold and, and you're starting from scratch trying to build your business again. Especially known people that have experienced this before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's great until it great until that source dries up. Correct. And when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And sometimes it can be gone overnight. Yeah, and say yeah. sometimes there's no warning. It's just gone. Yeah, you, you show up to do your job and the door's locked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not funny, but yes, it does happen. Yeah, I mean, well, 
So Gary, is there, so you're considering, you said putting a, a program together for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so where are you at in that process? So obviously you're, you're still kind of just saying, so you're like doing market research right now. Is it something you're trying to do a value thing within yourself, trying to figure out, you know, is this really what I want to jump into? Where are you at in that process? Yeah, at this process, it's really more market research, market research and putting together the, the program itself. So I, I think the market research is going to say, yes, this is something you want to do. So I'm, in the process of just putting together the program, it's probably going to be structured from a, an initial, perhaps initial six-week program. And then for individuals that want to go deeper, we'll have a, a, an expanded, maybe another six weeks of really expanding it. So that's what, that's what I'm looking at. That's where I am. And I'm looking at ways to, in fact, as I'm thinking about this, Clayton, maybe it's, maybe it's going to be a three-part program. Maybe the first part deals in general with any business, whether you want to do business with the federal government or not. Just those basic steps is what does it take to build a good, successful business? And then for the individual say, well, that's great. Now I'd also like to put my toe in the water and look about how do I trans transform this into doing some business with the government? And then we'll take that to the next step. Those are my thought processes. Thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm just kind of, my, my cogs are always turning about how do I connect people. So I'm just kind of trying to think, do you have a way of uh, where people can kind of uh, keep their eye on you, maybe keep in some kind of contact with you or something to kind of know where you're at with this? So if somebody's listening like, oh, I, you know, I want to do that, but I'm you know, terrified of all that paperwork and maybe I, I need a program in that, maybe give you some feedback or something. I don't know if you have anything like that set up yet or, or, if, or. Yeah, I, I would be delighted if individuals just went to my website, which is garymckinsey.com. And there, there's going to be a contact, contact me form there. And just contact me and put in, just write in the chat, write in the uh, subject line. I'm interested in finding out more about doing business with the government. So I, I would appreciate that. That would be a, uh, Kind of a good, maybe that's part of my market research, just seeing how many people are interested. I think there's a market there, but I just need to know, is there truly a market there? Sure, right. It's one thing to think it, another thing to know it. <laughs> um, so I, I'm curious about something. Um, a number of my listeners are not in the United States. So if, do you have to be like a United States citizen to get these contracts? Or is it something that like, say somebody in the UK could get a contract for like the federal government and fulfill for them do you know if there's any rules on that i don't know about the rules i suspect you're going to need either be a u.s citizen or have a presence have a business presence here in the u.s i'm just positive you're going to need a presence here well it makes sense yeah so if you're in the uk have no presence in the u.s but you want to do business in the state of california you're going to have to identify how you can really help the state of California and the state of California is going to have to be convinced that they can't find it anyplace else. So it's a big hurdle. Now, let me give you, however, I don't, this is just a, however, I don't know this for a fact, Clayton, but I'm going to guess that someone in the UK might want to do business with the UK and the, U, if the UK government's anything like our government. 
they don't make anything, they're a consumer of products. And chances are the process might be similar. Just might be similar. I would have a feeling, I feel like there's probably more similarities than difference. And I, I don't imagine there's many governments out there that aren't consumers, right? Correct, they, they consume, they do not make things. Right. Which is just kind of coming back to the goofy thing really it makes you chuckle inside we're talking about is you know, how can you have an organization that makes so much money but produces nothing? <laughs> I don't know. But then again, maybe anyway, that's that's another conversation for another podcast, maybe. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but uh that that's awesome. So is there anything that you feel like that that we missed or anything in there that maybe people need to know if they're considering working with the government? I, I think the thing they need to really consider is the benefits of working with the government. Do they qualify for any of the certifications such as woman-owned business, minority, veteran? And if they do, really dig into how do I qualify? In fact, let me, let me talk about veteran-owned businesses. This is something, Clayton, I'm surprised at. When I talked with the Small Business Administration or the individual state of California, they all say we have got money set aside in these contracts for veteran-owned businesses. And yet every year we end up with money left over the reward to it that's awarded to other businesses because the vets aren't applying. And I, I just scratch my head and say, what? Why? Why aren't the veterans? applying. There's money there. They're viewed as excellent customers. And yet, for some reason, they're not applying. So maybe that's one of the things I really want to go after is convince these uh, veterans, hey, there's you served the country. Here's a chance to serve the country again and get paid a whole lot more money. You know, I, I would imagine it's a lack of knowing. I imagine a lot of them probably just don't know that it's there. And I agree. That probably is it, just the lack of, of knowledge. I know I know veteran-owned businesses are a very big thing. Veteran-owned mm -hmm. veteran -owned and operated businesses, that's I mean a very big kind of like subsection of, of business that mm -hmm. that's there. So I, I don't see a lack of entrepreneurial drive that would, would be there. I would see just a lack of knowing that it's available. Yeah, and I agree with you. The, the entrepreneurial drive is clearly there with the vets that I've worked with over the years. It's just being aware that hey, this is available. Right. Maybe that's a little, maybe that's a little niche for you there, Gary, to drive a little uh, ideas. I'm thinking about it pretty seriously, focusing just on the vets, veterans. Yeah. Hey, no harm in it. Mm -hmm. So um, let me think if there's any last minute questions. So I want to talk a little bit about what you do outside of this too, though. It's just kind of like sure. real quick. Um, what, what, what is your, what is your main thing? Like, what is, I mean, you're, you're a business marketing coach. I see that right there next, next to your head. Mm -hmm. uh, so what, what is like sort of your, your flagship primary sort of like a service product offer that you, that you do in general right now? Right now, the main thing I work with is working with speakers and, and individuals. They don't have to be a speaker, but individuals that want to understand how they can use public speaking to market their business, how they can improve their communication, to build and drive their business. And then tagged with that is 
How do you create this business? How do you grow your business? How do you create a business that allows you to live your vision according to your vision for your life? So that's my underlying mission right there is to work with individuals, help them have that confidence and see that they can truly achieve their goals and to get past all the naysayers that are going to say, you can't do that. That's silly. No, you can do it. If you've got the drive, you've got the vision, let's go out and do this. Don't, be, don't get to be 80 or 90 years old and look back and say, gee, I wish I would have. No, look back and say, man, I'm so glad I did. That's a terrifying thought to me is to <laughs> be there kind of at the end of things and think, wow, how would it feel to be laying there? Imagine if you're on your deathbed and you're laying there thinking I didn't do it and I could at least try. Mm -hmm. Correct. That's and that's one of my mission, Clayton, you summed it up nicely. I want to work with individuals not to be in that situation. So if they look back and say, I'm so glad I tried. To me, that would just be like the definition of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. and there's there's nothing left wow all right gary so uh garymckenzie.com is a good place to to find gary correct correct absolutely okay and then um get yeah, any, any final thoughts or anything gary well my my final thoughts are if you have a vision for creating a business and, and i run into a lot of individuals clayton that are Let's say they're in their late 40s, early 50s, and they're thinking about stepping out of the corporate world and starting their own business. Get things lined up and take that step. You've got knowledge. You've got knowledge that people need in order to help them become successful. So don't be afraid to take that step so that you can live your life according to your vision for your life. So that's my final suggestion to your listeners.